0: Welcome to Awake, the bugle call, Reveille. It's the U.S. Army's call to wake up, get ready to face the day, and to prepare for battle. God's clarion call is in Ephesians 5.14. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This call is to Christians who are spiritually asleep and therefore resemble the spiritually dead. The call is to wake up and receive light or revelation from god the purpose and goal of awake is to equip you to be an overcomer in the last days the time immediately prior to the return of jesus for his church ephesians 6:16 6, through 17 says above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now here is Bill Bakkeby with a faith lesson for you from the Word of God.
1: Our topic today is one of the most important ones we could ever discuss. We're speaking about righteousness. We have two texts, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and 1 Corinthians 10.32, give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the Church of God. I am a charismatic or Pentecostal Christian. That is, I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. However, I don't attend a Pentecostal or charismatic church because I have not found a suitable one in the area where I live. I attend a church of a major denomination, which prides itself on adherence to biblical interpretation. So, as I said earlier, we're speaking about righteousness, and I want to start out about talking about sin consciousness. This denomination that I spoke of loves to quote Romans 3.23. Again, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The church members are always confessing, Oh, I am such a sinner. I am so sinful. However, they're violating one of their major precepts of biblical interpretation. They're taking this verse out of context. As they like to say, a text, that is a verse, out of context is a pretext, or a farce. Let's talk about the church for a moment. Our other opening scripture talks about the church and other groups. 1 Corinthians 10.32, give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. God sees three groups of people on the earth. First, he sees the Jews, God's chosen people. These are chosen by God to be a sign to the world that God can and has maintained a people group alive and thriving in spite of what Satan and other mankind could do to eliminate the, that people group. Other people groups, for example, the Canaanite tribes that Israel dispossessed are now extinct. There are no Egyptians of the type that lived when The Israelites were captives, slaves, in Egypt. The second people group in the scripture is the Greeks. Actually, that means the Gentiles. All people groups other than the Jews and the church. God makes no distinction about race, color, gender, or language. If you're not a Jew or a member of the church, you are a Greek, a Gentile, which is a euphemism, for sinner. And the third group is the church. All members of the church of Jesus Christ were either Jews or Gentiles, that is, they were sinners, but they are no longer Jews, nor are they any longer Gentile sinners, although that is their ethnic heritage. Second Corinthians 2.17 says of Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This scripture is to be interpreted literally. When a person becomes a Christian, he becomes a new creation with different DNA, at least in the spiritual realm. He or she has been translated into the church, into God's family. He or she is no longer a Jew or a sinner, but a Christian. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. What God is saying here is that we've been removed from the spiritual arena where Satan rules and dominates and placed in the realm of God's government and principles. Let's take and put Romans 3.23 into context. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. First, who or what is the all in verse 23? We have to go back to Romans 3.9 to find the antecedent for the word all. I urge you to check it out for yourself. Romans 3 9 what then are we better off than they not at all for we have previously charged both jews and greeks that they are all under sin verse 9 indicates that the all is the groups of the jews and the greeks or gentiles slash sinners romans 3 verses 10 to 20 describes the sinfulness of those groups and the futility of their attempting even to earn righteousness. The church has been made righteous, or made to possess righteousness. Again, righteousness is the ability to stand before God, free from the stain of any sin or unrighteousness. It is similar to being justified. One de- definition of justification is It is the ability to stand before God just as if you had never sinned. Romans 3, 21-26 But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe for there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in christ jesus whom god set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. These verses surrounding Romans 3.23 state that the believers who compromise the church have been justified by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. They are no longer Jews nor sinners, but have been made sanctified by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Let's digress for a moment and consider how Paul addresses the churches in his letters. Ephesians chapter one, verses one to two. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints, who are in Ephesus, and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae grace to you and peace from God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 Paul called to be an apostle of jesus christ by the will of god and thosthenes our brother to the church of god which is at corinth to those who are sanctified in christ jesus called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of jesus christ our lord both theirs and ours second corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 paul an apostle of jesus christ by the will of god and timothy our brother to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Acacia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 1.7 To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice in all these epistles, Paul addresses the believers as saints, as sanctified in Christ Jesus, as called to be saints. Literally, saints means sanctified ones, or set-apart ones. That is, the church is a group of people who have been set apart from or separated from other groups, separated from the Greeks and the Jews or the sinners and the Jews. Remember that both the Jews and the Greeks have been included under sin. What is the difference? Matthew 5, verse 20. For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount setting for what many consider to be an impossibly high standard of conduct to please God. Those who say the standard is impossibly high are correct in the natural. The scribes and the Pharisees were meticulous in their attempts to keep the laws of God and Moses. But look at what the Bible said about them. Isaiah 64, 6 but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. This passage says that as far as our natural abilities are concerned, it is an impossible standard to meet. There is no way that we can be righteous before God but God has made provision for us. Galatians 3 verses 19 and 24. 19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Verse 24. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. This passage says that God gave the law, the Ten Commandments, to the Jews to show them their sinfulness, how far they were from pleasing him. It also says the law was our tutor or our instructor, our teacher, to bring us to Christ. In short, the purpose of the law was to set a standard that we could not reach so that we would cry out to God, God, I can't do this, I can't make it, I need help. When we utter that cry, God responds, in my words, not his, I know, let me help, let me show you my plan. What was God's plan? Let's go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In this verse, God promises to replace an unbeliever's hardened, obstinate heart with the soft, pliable heart of a believer. Hebrews 10, verses 16-19 to This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, by the blood of Jesus. Then God says in this quote from Jeremiah 31 33, that He will put His laws into our new tender hearts and He will write them in our minds. In other words, He will lead us and guide us by our conscience. He ends the quote from Jeremiah 31 33 by saying that He will not remember our sins and trespasses anymore beloved you can't even talk to god about the things that you've done wrong in the past god has no remembrance of them as brother kenneth hagen used to say we are on shouting ground hallelujah praise ye the lord let's go back to hebrews ten, nineteen. therefore brethren Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. This is an awesome verse. Notice what it says. Having boldness to enter the holiest. Folks, in the Old Testament, only the high priest could enter into the holiest. That is, the holy of holies. The part of the tabernacle where the presence of God resided. And the high priest could only do it once a year and only if he were carrying the blood of a sacrificial bull and were covered by a cloud of incense. But if you are a born-again Christian, a saint, you can enter into God's presence any cotton-picking time you so desire. Why? Because Hebrews 10, 19 ends by the blood of Jesus. When God looks at you, He sees you through the blood of Jesus, and what he sees is all white and pure. Isaiah 1, verse 18 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The prophet Isaiah was speaking of the church age where our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus and the Father is inviting us to come in for a heart-to-heart talk, a father and son talk, or a father and daughter talk. Hallelujah. I want to talk about the saints for a moment. Let's go back to Second Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This verse says that if you are in Christ, if you are a born-again believer, you are a new creature. You've been given a new, soft, tender heart toward God. You've been washed by the blood of Jesus. Your sinful past has been erased from God's memory. You are a sanctified one, a set-apart one, a saint. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You have met the standard of the Sermon on the Mount. You are more righteous than the scribes and the pharisees not because of your own efforts it's called the great exchange jesus took upon himself your unrighteousness and imputed to you that is he gave to you his righteousness you have been credited with having the righteousness of god himself folks you can't get any more righteous than god it's mind-boggling isn't it you might ask aren't Christian sinners? Why do so many Christians say they're so sinful? They do sin, don't they? Let's look at what scripture says. First John 3.9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. This is the english standard version this scripture says that born-again christians do not sin habitually that is they don't have a lifestyle of sin but yes occasionally born-again christians do miss the mark the greek word translated in sin in the new testament harmatia means to miss the mark or the bullseye to get less than a perfect score and yes Born-again Christians often fail to get less than a perfect score, but God has given us a promise to deal with that event. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Earlier we said that God will lead you and guide you by your conscience. If your conscience tweaks you about something, simply pray, Father, your word says that if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Father, I confess, I blew it, I missed it, and I thank you for forgiving me in Jesus' name, or pray other words to that same effect. You will have been washed in the blood and will be able to stand in God's presence having been forgiven. Shortly after I became born again and spirit-filled, I missed the mark. I confessed it to God and I asked forgiveness. Words started to bubble up out of my spirit. First a message in tongues and then the interpretation followed. The interpretation was lengthy and I've forgotten it all except the first four words, which I will never forget. Bill, I love you. There is another promise to help us deal with the problem of sin. First John 1 John 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. The word light refers to revelation. Revelation of the knowledge of God, the kingdom of God, and God's ways of doing things. This verse says that if we walk according to the revelation we've received, the blood of Jesus automatically washes our sins away. If our conscience isn't bothering us, we're probably all right with God. Understand that the Bible says our conscience can be seared or calloused, therefore when or if our conscience does bother us we need to confess according to first john 1 9 we're talking about how to walk worthy as a christian why am i making such a big deal about righteousness because it makes a huge difference in our lives if we believe we are unrighteous we tend to feel unworthy if we feel unworthy we don't really believe that we deserve God's blessings. I met a spirit-filled woman when I was in Iran shortly after I was saved and spirit-filled. She had been raised in a denomination that emphasized the sinfulness of Christians. She was never able to feel worthy of God's blessings. And as a consequence, Satan was able to steal those blessings from her. She was not able to hold on to her nice house and other things such as divine healing. Beloved, it's not God who brings up bad things from your past. God has forgotten them. It's the devil who keeps reminding you. If he can make you feel unworthy, he can keep you from God's best. But you are worthy. You have been washed in the blood. You can enter into God's throne room anytime you desire. You have the righteousness of God. You are a child of the King. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord.
0: Jesus asked in Luke 18.8, When the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? Friend, if you are not sure if you are saved, you can be sure. You can change or ensure your eternal destiny by repenting. That means turning toward God and declaring it with your mouth. Just pray along with me. I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He was crucified for my transgressions he was buried and god raised him from the dead jesus come into my heart and be the lord of my life i pray this in jesus name amen if you just pray this from your heart your eternal destiny is in heaven awake is an outreach of bill backerby ministries and the word of grace church a 501c3 organization Again, our goal here at AWAKE is to help ensure that Jesus will find faith on the earth when he returns. Help us by telling your friends and relatives and neighbors, saved and unsaved, to join us on AWAKE.